Hi everyone and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast where we talk about the world of indie comics except for sometimes where we break the rules coming up but anyways uh we are here again as always with the the people who i consider the talent of the podcast carrie hello and richard hey thank you both for lifting me up because i need it you're cute (laughs) so all right so is richard but i can't really say that (laughs) Aww. we're all cute we don't are make me cute. blush my Aww. cheeks are gonna hurt yes, we, are we are the cutest podcast ever there you we go we all have to deal with it but one thing you don't have to deal with this week is a DIY corner I, I didn't have a chance to, to look through stuff so we uh, we're skipping that and uh, we're gonna go ahead and go into our spotlights Oh, before we do that, um, Dead Dog's Bite is the book we're talking about. Uh, I like to try to say that before we start everything up, and I failed. That's why you guys are the talents and not me. Okay. All right. So, Spotlight. Okay, Richard, I'll have you go first. Uh, This week's Spotlight, I uh, looked at this uh, one shot from Image, The uh, Secret History of the War on Weed. so this year 420 hit on a Wednesday. <laughs> and so this I guess that's why they dropped this one shot. And I've been meaning to read this. I kind of re- wish I would have read it right around that time. And what it essentially is, it's like a satire about the war on drugs and spliced with a, a 80s like action movie. In this, basically, um, it's the 1980s, and we have a Nancy Reagan type who's actually the president instead of the first lady. And our main character is uh, uh, <laughs> Scotch Matiernan. And he's basically John Matrix, John Rambo, just a <laughs> hodgepodge of like <laughs> 80s action, you know, stars put together. He's a man that, uh, that uh, he was so into war, he went and like enlisted and got into Vietnam when he was only in seventh grade. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So this, the the issue uh, opens up with him fighting a lizard person out in South America. <laughs> of course. And then so when he's done with that mission, basically the president's like, oh, like we don't have any wars going on. And like for us to like be a corrupt government and to galvanize the people, we need a war. So let's start a war on drugs. So they sent Scotch to, to Humboldt County and <laughs> he like starts... He, he parachutes in with a flamethrower and starts oh, break, uh, burning down the crop. No. And of course, the hippies there are like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and he starts just like indiscriminately murdering hippies. You know, they're there. They are trying to murder him back. But like, he's just killing everything. He's a killing machine. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> no. And so there's like a woman there and she doesn't like attack him. So she tries to talk some sense to him. And he's like, fuck that. Like, America first. I, I just kill whatever America tells me to kill. Oh and my God. then an abuela, like, hits him over the head with a shovel and they knock him out. Good. So then he's captured. Also, oh, he speaks almost exclusively in puns. Nice. So it's like very Asian. 
uh, 80s action movie where it's like, you know, <laughs> what's the line from uh, from from Commando? I let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just they, but yeah, everything is super punny. So it's it's very frustrating. And this is oh, I didn't say the creative team. It's um, by Jerry Dugan and Brian Persaud on the writing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's comedy. Scott yeah. Koblish, I mean, uh, Hi-Fi is doing the color and Clayton Cowles uh, is doing the lettering. And I think this, is this like a full uh, Deadpool reunion from a few years back from, uh, I think, Marvel Now Deadpool? I think it is, actually, yeah. I think, yeah, this is the full creative team, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's a good, that's yeah, a good really point. F- Really fun and funny book. So, yeah, he gets captured. And, you know, all the people from Humboldt, they're like, you know, people are like, kill him. We got to kill him. And, you know, some people, one woman was like, no, we're going to show him compassion. And so they're like, let him out the cage so that he could see that, like, we're not the enemy. Like, we're, we're showing him compassion. You're, oh, we're not no. who he needs to be fighting. He gets out and he starts beating everybody up because he's still, like, uh, has his arms tied behind his back. So finally, some, uh, the woman who decided to let him out kicks him in the junk, and that kind of puts him down. <laughs> and what they do is they gas mask him with a bong Fuck and yeah. let him get high for the first time. Fuck yes. He, he, he gets to the highest uh, high level, and he meets a thing <gasps> called the weed thing. <laughs> and it kind of <laughs> looks like man thing, but nice. made of yes. weed. Yes. And then he comes out of it and he's totally a hippie. He calls the government. He says, Madam President, I'm retired and her ward we can go to hell. Yes. <laughs> so he, he goes on and he tries to make amends. You know, he lives amongst the people in Humboldt. He falls in love. And of course, the government won't stand for this. So they send like a crack team of, uh, of you know, other government assassins and they just look super 80s glam. One's a Mr. T type, you know. <laughs> One's, of course, named Handsome Johnny, and he looks hideous. <laughs> One's called Bench Press for how much he can bench press. What is a brain? Um, uh, a, a German brain in a robot body whose birthday happens to also be 420. Which Ew. is Hitler's birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a lot. So they go get sent <laughs> to go take out Scotch. And of course, uh, Scotch notices, you know, he's with his lady and then, he, you know, his training kicks in because he notices that there's a scout plane. So what he does is he gets a bunch of weapons together and gets himself ready to go, makes him, himself a pan of pot brownies. And, he, <laughs> and the thing is, is that he thinks he came up with the idea on his own. And, and the narrator's like, you know what, we're just going to give it to him. They're yeah. like, it's early enough <laughs> yeah. that it was an independent thought and he can go ahead and continue to believe that he's the one that built created pop brownies <laughs> so he eats half a tray of the pop brownies and then when with the other half he offers them he's like guys i don't want to fight you this is going to end well how about you have this uh half tray prop pop brownies and we talk it out of course they decline mm. and of course where they are everything's booby trapped so scotch basically proceeds to murder all of them of course, one of his favorites is that he gets to murder the Hitler <laughs> brain robot yes. suit guy. Yes. You know, he gets, he he, he, t- he takes his lumps as well, but he gets to murder every <laughs> one of them. And then he shows up at the White House 
and he apologizes to the president. And then she's like, it's too late to apologize. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm apologizing for all the crimes I did, not for going against you. And then so he goes to like the where, you know, they do uh, like the press secretary, like the podium. Uh-huh. And he does like an impromptu press conference. And he's like telling everyone that the war on drugs is bullshit and he confesses <laughs> to his crimes. So he goes to prison <laughs> where he's growing pot. Like, like everyone's making toilet wine, but he's making toilet weed. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally someone from the government uh comes and they're like uh you know we could get you on work release he's like oh, i'm not going back to murdering but they're like no there's a problem that you can only solve and it's gonna be something with me but that's how the issue ends apparently there might be another issues maybe next year oh that's <laughs> kind of fun uh, yeah like um also there's a, an activities page with a word search like a matching game. Yes. <laughs> there's there's a map like uh like you would get at a placemat at McDonald's when you're a kid. There's also oh a word a word search and a word scramble. But yeah, like I, I really just wish I would have read this in the moment, like the weekend when it came out. Also, um they picked up four different uh um like non pops to donate to, all yes. of which were like, you know, trying to help people that had like nonviolent uh, cannabis offenses. Yes. Like so yes. pre- proceeds from the book went to those Hell funds. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah, it's I the last that. prisoner project, Indica, yes. No I, and N I D I C A Freedom Grow and Americans for Safe Access. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. Awesome. But yeah, no, really good book, really fun book. Like I honestly I almost didn't pick it up originally because mm-hmm. the cover is such an aggro 80s book. <laughs> it's the cover is him in front of like like he's somewhere in South America. So he's like in front of like a tribal like a head. And mm-hmm. he's just like torching everything with a flamethrower. <laughs> and it looks so aggro that I thought like it might have been like some right wing thing. Like yeah, I was just like, oh, this yeah. might not be something I would be into. Yeah. But no, it's actually mm-hmm. rather excellent. I love it. Um, yeah. I, I I think I think I had probably the same feeling that you did too when I when I first saw that. I was like, is this something I, I want to <laughs> like? Right. Yeah. Like, right. I was like, um, I, I do enjoy weed, but this cover, <laughs> this cover yeah. is harshly my mellow. Yeah, <laughs> I, sure. I guess the variant, one of the variant covers was also an NFT cover with the ape, and so oh, that, was it? Th- there was there was some negative press on that, but but oh, like that I didn't. As know. long as you didn't get the NFT, yeah, yeah, and cover your- you know what, this is just this just proves the point further. Weed is not the enemy, my friends. Weed is great. It's all it's the stupid bureaucratic bullshit that surrounds weed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I didn't go through the exact dialogue, but just all through the dialogue, they they weave, you know, people's points of views all throughout the story, you know, the narrative. Yeah. So like, you know, you can get these messages about the corrupt system and how yeah. you know weed was never really the problem. Nope, never was. It's awesome. A really so fun cool. book. Really pretty yeah. book. And you know, they proceeds were going to a good cause. So absolutely. I think, which is, I think one of the more commendable things, you know, at a time where I don't think artists make enough money as it is. Yeah. So when they um, are righteous enough to like donate what they do make, even, even just a, a percentage of the proceeds, I mean, like, I think it's phenomenal, especially Gosh. the last prisoner pro- project, which I think heavily focuses on BIPOC um, nonviolent cannabis uh, offenses. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get, um, a lot of people who are incarcerated out so that's really important absolutely oh um the the actually the first splash page is has nothing to do with the story it's just like basically detailing how 
the war on drugs was something, you know, yeah. a way to villainize people of color. Like, yeah. it's just, like, like I think it starts out saying like, hey, this, this is the only part of the book that's just facts. Yeah. Everything else is satire, but it just mm-hmm. talks about the war on drugs. That's the first page. Yeah. And just before we get out of here, I wanted to give you a, a just an example of uh, Scotch's uh, pun, punning. So he's fighting <laughs> one of the hippies earlier in the book. And he's just like, I just <laughs> rolled my own doobie brothers. And then, and then the guy shoots back. He's like, man, I got a double degree in agricultural hydro- hydrology. He's like, that's funny because now you're bi degradable, but bi is B-Y-E because he's you just murdered him. <laughs> like, it's su- there's such bad puns. That's funny. It's just bad pun. He just speaks in bad puns. It's great. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Sounds very good. Actually, yeah, I'll have to. You know, it's a really it. fun book. Again, I wish I, I, I really wish I would have read it in April, so I would have been the proper mindset. I was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sitting here. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, um, I guess now we'll go ahead and go to our next uh, spotlight, which will be the rule breaker. Oh, Carrie. So, so um, the book. <laughs> okay, so spoiler alert: I'm the rule breaker. Um. I'm going to be talking about a Marvel book, so don't hate me for those of you who listen to us solely for the hot indie comic goss, but um, (laughs) the book I'm highlighting (laughs) is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Courage to Dream. It's Here, let me read this really quick. Uh, It says, The Courage to Dream tells the story of Asata, a young Wakandan who hopes to become one of the Dora Milaje, the warriors who protect Wakanda. But because of Asata's disability, she lets go of her dreams. Asata's light shows through all the same, introducing her to surprising friends. The princess Shuri, the warrior Okoye, and the powerful M'Baku. But only Asata can give herself what she's missing, the courage to dream. Now, the reason I'm highlighting it is it's written by two um, New York Times bestselling... Oh, I'm sorry. It's written by a New York Times bestselling author... And it's illustrated by a New York Times bestselling artist. Um, it is Frederick Joseph and, oh my gosh, Nicholas Smith. So the book looks really good. It is for children. Um, the disability that's alluded to is that Asata's in a wheelchair. So I really like the fact that it's it's giving, I think, a different perspective. It's highlighting somebody with a disability and again, it's it's all about empowering, um, you know, voices of color. So I, I follow uh, Fred Joseph on Instagram. He's very politically active. He's a fabulous author. Um, one of his newest books is called The Patriarchy Blues. Um, it is about, uh, and I think like the subtitle is like Stories of Manhood. It's just about his voice of being, a black man growing up in America, what that means, um, the I think the lies that a lot of men are fed by society and things of that nature. Uh, he's just very intelligent, very well written. And so when he showed um, on his Instagram that he was doing this book, I thought, again, it's just, it's important to highlight voices of color, um, especially in children's book or um, YA, you get a lot of I'm not saying they're not good, but you just get a lot of white voices. You don't get a lot, a lot of the more best-selling authors in the time, the types of books that I read um, more than comics are, and I'm sure with comics too, is just white 
the white perspective. And so when it's an author of color, I just think it's really important. Um, and, you know, with uh, Chadwick's birthday being so close, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, just mm-hmm. very, you know, just ev- I think he's always on the minds of a lot of people. And um, I think it's important that we support books like this because it it's representation is is sometimes all that we have is all that the children have and so um i do like this i'm repeating it's important a lot but i mean that's just really how i feel it it looks incredible the artwork looks really good um it has the characters i think people are familiar with um i've never thank god i've never watched black panther um i've watched like i've watched like a half hour of it i just i don't watch movies i don't care how good they are i just don't watch them um (laughs) but i i i have a physical disability that doesn't let me sit down a lot no i'm (laughs) closer to to, to (laughs) your 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 scenario than most people so i'm not judging yes like there's so many things that people are like oh that's excellent i was just like well yeah i just never sat down and watched it sorry yeah yeah i'm sure it is excellent (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just I, i can't do it so um it's just uh i don't watch it but from what i have seen of it i really enjoyed it um uh Chadwick was amazing in it. Everybody was amazing in it. It's uh, and I know it's breaking the rules because it's marble, but again, it's just something that I I think we should all um, maybe pay attention to a little bit more. And if you have, if maybe Black Panther is not your thing, but you know some a child in your life that maybe has a friend who's disabled or has somebody disabled, or they themselves are, this is again great representation because we want to break down those barriers as much as we can. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And this is based in the MCU too. So, yeah, it's so. based in like the MCU Wakandan um in like <laughs> environment, I guess. So mm-hmm. if, if you're familiar with those characters, and again, as children are, because they grew yeah. up with the MCU movies. So exactly. whatever the phase one, two bullshit is, I'm sure they'll recognize people. Yeah. And I think I when I was reading a couple articles on this. I think they mentioned that Riri might also be in it too. Sweet. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very so. cool. That's, that was my rule breaker. I was going to say that's an excellent reason to break a rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no worries. Okay, well, I guess I'll go next. Um, so, real quick, um, actually, I had a. So, I have a really bad blister <laughs> on my foot. Yes, he does. And I couldn't really walk over the weekend. So, I took advantage of the situation. And, like, on Saturday, um, there was a sneak preview of um, Splatoon 3 that was going on from, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I definitely uh, took advantage of that. And besides playing Splatoon 3, I read a lot of comics. And um, But um, I specifically um, kind of focused on two things. One was I basically read slash reread um, all of uh, Giant Days which I hope we get to cover soon on this podcast. And uh, the other thing I did was um, I kind of, uh, I revisited the books of uh, Devin Kraft, um, who we interviewed a couple uh, weeks ago. Because um, bo- both his other books, uh, besides Never Ender, are on Comicsology Unlimited. And um, 
I was I'm very much a fan of Neverender. I wanted to read more of his stuff, especially after we interviewed him. He's a very cool guy. Definitely, if you haven't listened to that episode two episodes ago, check it out. It's really good. Um, and he was the talent in that episode. And and then um, so um, I wanted to really spotlight his work because I really like it a lot. And so um, well, I'll go ahead and get started. I'll do continuity wise uh, from when he from his earlier book to his newer book. Um, the first book is Dragon Slayer. Um, there's three volumes of it. Uh, it's um, by Devin Kraft uh, mainly, um, but he has um, other help by uh, Matt Johnson, Brooks Johnson, Matthew Warwick, uh, Jake Ekis, Vin Luan Lu, Ruby Boyko, and Crystal Bruce. Um, Chester Cat Comics, that's Devin Kraft's label. So it's basically, it's self-published uh, comic. He went through Kickstarter. So this is kind of a DIY corner in a way too. Um, so this one uh, is about, um, it's, a, it's a fantasy town um, called Belbrixis. It's a very nice, like very, very like peaceful city in the time of peace, no wars. Um, your your standard wall city kind of style fantasy town um, but since there's no wars um, and the you know the ruling class especially the king uh, King Aldebaran was brought up um, you know you know as a warrior uh, he has decided that he's just going to start focusing on hunting and he becomes a great hunter um, so that's what he spends all his time basically doing, uh, aside from from ruling his kingdom of, of uh, Belbrixis. Well, what happens is Alderbrand, um, you know, keeps on kind of escalating things to hunt, you know, like, uh, you know, like our boy Craven kind of in that way. And um, and he um, ends up hunting a dragon. Sorry. <laughs> that was the dragon. He did not like being hunted. <laughs> um, so, so no, but yeah, uh, the, the 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 dragon. Um, so he ends up hunting and killing a dragon, and he ends um and he brings home the 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 skull of the dragon. Well, by doing this, he was not aware. Well, the dragon had a mate, and there's two dragons, and that dragon follows um uh king algebrand uh back to belbrixis and fucks city up <laughs> oh no and so um brian so, that's when you're supposed to say come on you know bitches be crazy yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. so, that's so, totally inappropriate brian you should have said that i am so sorry i'll edit it out i promise <laughs> um, but yeah, the, um, so um, so Alder everyone realizes that the only reason why this this dragon came and destroyed half the city, or actually the majority of the city, is um is because of Alderbrand's hunting, and Alderbrand's like, well, I'm really sorry. He's he's personally he's internalizing it. He he realizes it's his fault. However, um, what he does externally. Doesn't sit too well with the rest of the um, of the people because what he says is he say, "Oh, I'm going to go hunt it by myself," and that's what got them in the trouble in the first place. So obviously the town is pissed. Well, there's another warrior that's in the town. Um, his name is LDL, and he um, he's kind of a wanderer. He finally found like a home and family 
in um, Valparaxis, and that family, unfortunately, were among the victims of um, of yeah. the, the dragon attack. So Valparaxis, um, I'm sorry, um, LDL um, is like, well, you know, King Alderbrand's going to go hunt this dragon. I'm going to go hunt the dragon slayer. You know, like, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna kill him instead, so because he has to pay for, for what what has happened to to my family and what happened to the the city that he's supposed to protect. So, um, there's a lot of like mythological beings in this story as they go, as they go up forward. Like, um, there's um awesome motorcycles. Uh, it's a very it's very much kind of like a Final Fantasy type fantasy where there's like technology right. among the fantasy elements. Um. It's um it just like the other book I'm gonna talk about uh next, um, it deals with sorrow a lot and it deals with like you know, like basically like how you deal with grief and and like what you do because of grief and is is that the right thing to do or is that you know, or, or are you are you just working purely on emotion? So it's very deep. Um our work obviously is is, is great. Um I I like it a lot, <laughs> and um, the character designs are a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, like the um, in Neverender. I I see a lot of like a Tomo, and I see a lot of um, of the Astro Boy guy. Um, oh my gosh, Astro Boy Tetsuka. Um, As- Asamu Tetsuka. Tetsuka, thank you. Um, so I see a lot of them, even though I can't remember names right now. <laughs> um, in uh, in 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 that in the render in this i see a lot of miyasaki as well and so like it's yeah it's it's really it's really pretty and it's a really good story um definitely recommend checking it out it's on comicsology unlimited or pick it up if you don't have unlimited um second one is um silence tracks one through three also by devin craft uh, cheshire cheshire cat comics um and this is another story of dealing with grief um it's also very pretty as well um this one's more musical based um and has a lot of cool references to rock music and uh different types of music in in the story um there's this town called anthem uh which used to be like the number one export was like basically music but then kind of that kind of fell through and now um it's become kind of a, a a rundown town where the only jobs that you can get is to work for the big company to go out like fishing, essentially. Um, well, what happens is that Joanna Jones uh, comes back to look for um, her father because she had lived there with her father for for many you know many years after um, their you know his wife slash her mother had passed away. He used to play guitar for her every night. She you know was a kid, so she's kind of like you know happy about it and also kind of annoyed about it you know um and well they end up having a falling out one night um and she leaves and she just did she, you know basically is gone for a very long time um in the meantime her father signs up with the with that company um goes out on a ship um and ends up missing and so she comes back because she gets a form letter that's not even filled out correctly it's like to to 
you know, victim's family. <laughs> like we are, we regret that victim is has been lost at sea. You know, like <laughs> like oh, just the world. They forgot to they forgot to, to fill in those blanks, and um. So she goes in. She's um. She so she wants to basically find her dad. Um. They the 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 company won't help her, so she ends up um recruiting her best friend, um that that lives there whose name is dinah um she also finds an old punk rocker named cherry who has a ship called the heart of gold which is a yellow submarine uh there's two references right there um <laughs> and um and and then also meg uh who's the daughter of the person who runs the company um she's also um kind of um on and off high on drugs uh and um and so she ends up floating the bill to get um, Cherry to, uh, to to go out and sell into the um, Hades hexagon, which is like it's like I'm guessing that's basically the Bermuda Triangle um, to find um, Joanna's father because um, because Meg has a friend named Johnny um, that she's lost on that same ship, um, so she's out looking for him. Um, so they they go on undersea adventures. Uh, there's also a Pregio the cat. Cool. And um and they um kind of uh and they also start kind of jamming with each other as well. Like uh, each one plays a different instrument. And uh and aside from uh, going on sea adventures, they're they're playing music together. So it's kind of like a, a fun odyssey. And the whole time, Joanna obviously feels grief about what she said to her father, like last thing she said, and the fact that he ended up becoming an alcoholic and having to work for you know this company because there was nothing else to do in this town and she wasn't there to help him and so she's she's even though everyone says that he's dead she's out trying to find him so um there's once again um good story dealing with grief i'm not gonna spoil the ending just like i won't spoil the ending of uh, dragon slayer but uh all all in all uh very good stories um very very fun to read um devin craft is now officially one of those names that uh when he's releasing something i'm going to check it out very cool because um he's three for three in my book nice right now you know with never ender and, and these two books so so yeah and uh and uh never ender drops this week in uh comic shops the uh for issue four Yes, yes, cool. that's right. That's right. Um, digitally, yeah. it, it, digitally, and, it came out last week, but this week it's coming mm -hmm. out in stores. So, so definitely pick it up. Uh, never under a few. Once again, check out the last uh, couple issues ago or a couple uh, episodes ago. It, it was it was a really good interview. Um, all right. Well, that's it for our spotlights. If you're all ready to move on to our main track, can or... I just say something really quick? Sure. It's been bothering me since I've been home. Yeah. What's up? Um, this is not comic book related. Okay. So I have an older car and I have one of those like antenna, like transmitter things. So that way I can use my Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And somebody was on the same frequency as me and he was watching porn. <laughs> I got, I was getting porn in the middle of a podcast. Podcast. And I was just like, the fuck i'm like i i'm like i've heard this series before i know that they don't start doing the those the sounds the um <laughs> the podcast <laughs> and so like something about like titties and i was like wait a minute i've listened to this episode i know that they don't say that word like that 
And then um, it was, I was by this car and anytime we were by each other, uh, I was, and then I started hearing moans and shit. And I was like, oh my God, this fucker is like watching porn or listening to porn. And I was really bothered by it. I mean, you do you, but like, I, what are you going to do? Like fucking do that? Like masturbate while you drive? I don't know. Yes. Uh, it just it's seems, the last bastion of American freedom. It just seems <laughs> like too much multitasking. Yes. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. It's insane. We yeah. were on the freeway. And I'm like, dude, we're going down like a 12% grade mm-hmm. on the freeway. Well, he was. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, it's just too, it's too much for you. Brings a new meaning to stick drive. Yeah, but anyways. Oh God. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But yeah, I just wanted to share that. That was my anecdotal story for today. Oh my God. This is why we're explicit. This is why we're I'm sorry, people no. that are listening for maybe the first time or the second time. It's just weird shit happens, and it always yeah. bothers me. Hey, you know what? No, you gotta speaking. share. When speaking. something that bizarre happens, you gotta share. Yeah, yeah definitely. And speaking of weird shit. Let's talk about yeah. the main subject. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I chose this book. Thank you. And um, it is called Dead Dogs Bite by Tyler Boss, uh, publisher's Dark Horse. And okay, I'm going to be straight up. I chose this book solely based on cover and title. No fucking clue what it was about. Always I all I mean I literally judged a book by its cover. <laughs> it did not disappoint in my judgment. I'm very happy yeah. I chose it, but it did not. It I thought it was to be about kick ass zombie dogs. <laughs> I literally was a literal bitch and I was like, oh cool, it's gonna be like fucking like horror shit or whatever. No, that was literally not what happened. So um it takes place in a town of Pender Mills. And um, you don't know where this town is. It's obviously like fictional. It's um, and you're greeted by a narrator, a creepy ass dude in a fucking suit, who's like <laughs> narrating most of this bullshit. And I'm, I'm not. I'm going to. I'm. I'm going to assume that it's uh in uh Indiana because it seems like it could be nearby Pawnee. In uh, Parks and Rec, yeah, that's all that same <laughs> energy of how like the government is sure, and like yeah. people, you know. And uh, and the narrator is giving me like I was just like, who's this uh, Rod Serling uh, replacement? Yes, who's yes, literally it's coming very, out of the sewer. Very, very, very um, Twilight Zoney. Twilight Zoney, yeah. So you go and it's like this. Um, it's this. Let's say the small town America. Um, you're introduced to a um, character. Her, uh, she is the protagonist of the story. Her name is Josephine Bradley. She goes by Joe. Um, from the get-go, we learn that she's on medication. That's where we, we meet her. She's inside of a pharmacy getting her prescription. Um, right off the bat, everyone seems very fake um there is a veneer of like small town americana like gee golly whiz you know everything here is great it's a super sleek veneer it's very off-putting um you learn that okay 
can this is I don't know how old you people are that are listening. I don't have access to the demographics. Um if you ever heard of the show uh the Andy Griffith show from like the fifties and sixties, it is about is about a fiction. Oh, the kids still watch Andy Griffith. No, they don't. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So it's uh, a fictional town called Mayberry. If you married that with um, the Twilight Zone or like yeah. Twin Peaks, it's this kind of odd, weird, off-putting, almost feels dreamlike, and it feels very surreal. You don't necessarily know what's actually happening what is if this is all a fucking dream world you don't know it's just it's but it's very small town americana is what the biggest point i'm trying to to get across mm-hmm. and so um you you find out through a series of events that joe's best friend cormac guffin is missing <laughs> he is lost McGuffin. um she's missing there's a candlelit vigil for her um Joe is friends with uh the town sheriff named Espy, and they um Joe's very very upset that no one is taking um Cormac's or Mac as she's known that no one's taking Mac's um disappearance seriously. So Espy's like, we got it. Don't worry, we got it. Um, and Joe's face is literally like fuck you no you don't i she's my best friend i have to go find her so i have to solve this mystery you get introduced to alan who is the boyfriend of mac you learn that they were together on the night that she disappeared you also learn that everyone for the most part works within the town of pendermills um Joe's mother and I'm assuming stepfather lives it I'm sorry work at um a local factory and you so you're getting introduced to all of these different um townspeople you're learning about the fact that um, Mac is missing you're introduced to the mayor who looks like a character out of a David Lynch movie. Yeah. He is a uh, redhead, mustachioed, white suit wearing person who literally says like, oh, well, you know, he talks like a weird TV cowboy. Cowboy. He's essentially Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Almost. And it, it <laughs> yes, he is very much like Yosemite Sam. Um, it's very. Uh, I, I'm um, using young kids. He gave me the uh the vibes of the uh the mayor in uh, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I can see that too. Um, so you go through Joe's essentially just like, how do I say it? I think she's spiraling in her worry about her friend. She's very hell bent on finding out who, what happened to her. Um. She talks to Alan. They are trying to figure it out. Uh, but she won't let anybody get super close to her regarding it. Like, she won't talk to anybody about Max's disappearance. So, there's parts of the book 
where you wonder if the narrator can be seen because sometimes it does look like he's interacting with Joe, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, one of the things that gets brought up in the book as well is that um, there is a kind of like stylized peppermint design if you guys you know like on pep like the red and white peppermint candies something like that mm -hmm. it's very stylized and um that's like a symbol that's all over the town and well no that's of, the factory that her yes. mom and the stepdad work yes. for like everyone the whole town is based around the like, like it's like an old 20s yeah. town they're like oh yes. we built this peppermint factory we built a town around and, and all the products are all pender mills branded right yeah, but so. al but also too like um the the town lights are in that shape, mm -hmm. which I don't I don't know like I always I thought that part was really weird like because when you go up when the kids go up to Lovers Lane they can actually see the lights in the shape of the peppermint mm -hmm. so I yeah. mean I'm sure that's that's intentional but it's also strange um another thing too is that when um. You know, like any good PI, Joe puts the pictures and all the articles and everything she's finding on the wall of her trailer. And that's also, too, in the shape of the peppermint design, which I thought was strange. Like, I didn't know if that was subconscious or if that was intentional. Um, Joe tries really hard to, like, talk to the mayor and, and to get access to, like, maybe certain files to kind of find information about Mac. There is a person named deputy deputy what's his name deputy duty deputy dipshit do it d hand or something like that yeah, yeah. like deputy d hand he's a fucking moron and he's like supposed to be he gets he literally gets stuck in the goddamn coke machine and you're just like all oh, this fucking what anyway the first time <laughs> yeah it's not the first time oh so, and he says it won't be the last time yes <laughs> exactly. i know um the... Of the law. <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. This is a part in issue two that really disgusted me and bothered me. The mom's favorite food, Joe's mom, oh. Joe decides to have lunch with her mom at the factory and her stepdad. So Joe's there. <sighs> Joe takes spaghetti. Okay, first of all, spaghetti is not a lunchtime food. Okay, for, that's my personal rule. <laughs> And she takes spaghetti and then her mom goes, it needs more gravy. And they put fucking ketchup on ketchup it. all over. Yeah. It's it's a oh my God. It's a Midwestern thing. What? It's a Midwestern thing. Well, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. You I, got that wrong Midwest. I don't agree with it, but it is a Midwestern thing. I'm sorry. Thing. That's wrong. And it's socially <laughs> unacceptable. I'm just going to. And they tell make, it like it is. They made a joke prior to that, like they they hate anyone who calls spaghetti sauce gravy, and that's what the the father-in-law called, or the 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 yeah father. Oh, you don't put stepfather. Oh stepfather. Okay, you just it, don't yeah. put ketchup goes on fries, mm -hmm. a burger, maybe sometimes, and hot a hot dog maybe in California. <laughs> um, that's it. That's the limit of my ketchup use. Okay, I'm not gonna have this conversation with everybody again. You're not allowed to put ketchup, but it just really fucking bothered me. Okay, I'm sorry. That's a that's a personal. <laughs> I have a lot of issues with ketchup. Anyways, 
Joe's kind of espionage PI stuff, she sneaks into um the Pendergrat the Pendermill like um thing, like in their like little where they peppermint uh, factory. Yeah, thank yeah. you. In the peppermint factory, she sneaks in, and she um she sneaks into the office, and she's finding a ledger. She found a ledger where everybody's signing in black. For registration. For, for when they're registrate, like there's like registration, like when they're eighteen. But then, um, yeah, when everyone registers to vote. Oh, is that what that is? Yes. Yeah. I just thought it was just like some weird registration that they had to do. Yeah. Okay. So she found the uh, the 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 most recent ledger with uh Mac Mac's name in the mayor's office, and then she goes to the peppermint factory to find the other ledgers. Yeah, because for some okay. reason that's where they are. Okay. So then they go, excuse me, and she finds that um, certain names are written in red. So she's trying to figure out what that was. And during this time, there's also a hooded figure that's following her in, um, that's like following her as she's like doing her little espionage thing. SB is also um, trailing her at this point. And when Mac retrieves the info and she's heading back to her trailer we find out that her trailer has been um engulfed in flames somebody set fire to it fire bombed yeah for sure and so i know this is kind of all over the place uh so i apologize so in issue trace uh she does more espionage stuff she finds out that there is somebody who was like the archivist for the town and um, but that he stopped doing it. Like basically the archives only go like 30 years back and she couldn't figure out newspaper. why. I'm sorry? For the newspaper. For the newspaper, for yeah. the newspaper. And so um, uh, she also gets talked to by Espy and Espy's just like, fuck you, you can't keep doing this because the next time like I talk to you, you will be in cuffs essentially is the gist of it. And so um, uh, Joe finds the archivist and uh, he offers her, okay, so he welcomes her into his home. It's snowing, so it's cold. He welcomes her in. He offers her, offers her cookies and tea, both of which she does not take. She does not ingest those, but she's inside the home. So you find out that she's telling him that like, oh, I'm just really, you know, you're, you're so cool, essentially, is like the gist of it. And so he's just like, yeah, well, no one cares that much about my work. But um, yeah, I, I do keep hard copies of what I, my stuff here at the house, which is what she really wants access to. So he lets her go into the room where he has archives and she pretends like, oh, I, I want to help with to reelect the mayor. I'm looking for um, a particular um, issue of the newspaper that'll have like a good article. And she put, like, quote unquote, randomly chooses a date which she's actually looking for a specific um, article, but she's trying to lie about it. So the archivist figures it out and he tells her like, you um, you know, what you're looking for is this page. And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I know what you're looking for. Um, you're not the first person to look for it. You're the last. And then, um, and then he says on their 18th year, they signed in red and they've never to never be heard from again. And then um, 
and then uh, the the person the article was about her father. Yeah, the article was about her own father because her her father's missing as well. And then um, he um, he says, "Oh, like I I don't know, but she does." He's like, "It's her." He's like, "It's always been her." And so that freaks out Joe. She runs, and she runs out into the into the uh, snow as she's coughing she's panting she starts puking and then all of a sudden she starts foaming at the mouth and she passes out in the snow so she looks like she did but she uh so we don't know at that point if she's dead or not and then um she goes and alan picks her up he found her in the snow and she finds all out well, she also finds out too that um, he is the person in the hooded jacket that has been trailing her. So she's just like, "What the fuck's going on?" Like, like basically at this point, I think she feels that she can't really trust anybody because everybody that like maybe she has turned to, or that she could rely on for help, um, can no longer help her. And you find out that she is able to break into the lady whose like town it is patricia pendermills Mm -hmm. like she's able to break into her home and she goes in there and there's photos of all these missing people there's a weird candy signal or symbol um she goes around there's a bunch of fucking like candles and a gun she finds the um she finds the old lady and she pulls the gun on her and she's not um she's i'm sorry she signs yes she signs uh the old lady signs well no well she doesn't say anything at first and then she signs yeah she's not because i feel like um at first uh joe thinks that like she's you know just not speaking she she's not she doesn't go there aware that the woman is mute yeah Basically. yeah yeah she yeah she, exactly so she doesn't understand that and then she signs and then joe's getting like more frustrated in the moment and then all of a sudden um she uh sb comes out and says like put the gun down and then so joe's now caught literally in between patricia pender mills and the chief and then SB, the chief, is just like, hey, you know, put the gun down. I know it's her. Like, I know it's her. Like, you need to put it down. So um, Joe won't put the gun down. And so there's a conversation between Joe and the chief. And then all of a sudden, um, the chief goes now. And so, like, Joe doesn't know what that meant. And somebody comes up behind her, which is deputy dipshit. <laughs> and he uh pistol whips joe and knocks her out and so there's actually and i i like this um so in this book a lot of the pages are um nine nine panels is that how you say that yeah okay so it's nine panels and the little panel right after joe gets pistol whipped is black and then there is a blank black page mm-hmm. and then you go to the next and instead of it being a full nine panels, only the last five show it. So I like that because that definitely gives the reader like 
the impression that Joe's been out for a little bit of time. Yeah, it shows that, like the passage. Yeah, like the passage of time. So I do really like that. Um, with uh, that person, like the, with the, what that person, what the author did. And so, um, Joe was shown a, a weird video, and it's basically giving the story of Pender Mills, and um, they're okay. Please, somebody help me out with this because okay. I got very confused in this moment. I I have some questions too about the ending, but but I'll help. We'll we'll help. Okay, so there's a video with Patricia Pendermills, who is like um like a philanthropist, wealthy bitch, and her mm-hmm. and her new husband. So new's husband new husband is psycho, right? Yes, we understand that. Yeah. Okay, and basically he locks up. Patricia he, he he makes it so that way Patricia no longer has like an actual hand in the day-to-day that she was having before they basically yeah, built uh, I'm sorry go ahead no I was gonna say so what we were saying earlier the whole town is dependent upon working at the the peppermint mill mm-hmm. at the factory so everything was going swimmingly and he like wanted to diversify the business and like apparently he has low self-esteem because he kept losing you know at the the company picnics he kept losing in the uh in an event that he uh, claimed that he was an olympian for he kept losing mm-hmm. to regular jobs folks mm-hmm. so that's when he decides to make his move he uh takes patricia hostage which is very weird for everyone that works at the factory because they're used to seeing her on a regular basis she's a very hands-on uh boss and she he basically tells everyone that she's out of town but you know we're gonna make enough she's he's like if we work nonstop, like we'll make enough peppermints so like you know we'll have enough money to run the town for the time being and then everyone can get a break except the peppermint is not a good peppermint <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um so it's a video or like a yeah like a video that joe watches and then I guess because Pender Mills is kind of like a socialist society, everybody when they turn 18 gets shown this video and then gets the chance to say, yes, we want to continue to improve our society or no, we're going to bounce. But because. Oh, Pat- but, oh we, I, I, wait, I don't think we were explicit. Like the, the peppermints were like, Jonestown peppermints like yeah oh yeah yeah like everyone like who took them fucking died yes yes and okay okay so now we're at this sorry so now we're at this point everyone who took the peppermint at this fucked up dinner like starts foaming at the mouth right so Mm -hmm. that harkens back to when joe started puking and she passed out in the snow yes my question is did she touch anything or put anything in her system that made her do this? Could have been. Yeah, I mean, it's not explicit, but... Because that fucked me up. I couldn't figure out how she got sick in the archivist's house. Yeah. If she didn't have... Yeah, no, no, she doesn't ingest anything while she's there. No, she doesn't. So I think it might just be a red herring that she just, you know, 
just the tension and the running and the snow and she just okay. blew up. Okay, okay. Thank you. Like I think they make it seem like they're connected, but there is actually no okay. connection. No. Okay, thank you, Richard. Because I was looking for a connection. Thank you. So everybody gets shown this video. If you want to fix um if you help if you want to help um fix the society or make the or like improve it, you sign the ledger, your registration ledger in black. If you don't want to you sign in red if you sign in red you get a hefty scholarship to find quote whatever you're looking for from patricia pendermills and tor and joe already has um her scholarship money there in an envelope her big question was do people come back and it's never answered but the book ends with um mac um i i assume something being remembered by joe and mac's voice and it's it references the name of the book uh and the very last page i will read it because it's a trip all these stories we've been told and the ones we've made up, they come back to me more than some phantom pain from a dead dog's bite. The scars are proof that it happened, but it's how you tell people where you got them that matters. And the last page shows Joe overlooking the, um, like at Lover's Lane, essentially. Mm -hmm. Overlooking the lights of Pender Mills. So that was my horrible retelling, but it was a really good book. I was going to say, one thing that I, I feel like because I interrupted you, Mm -hmm. The reason why they do this is because they were scared that the scandal of the mass suicide. Okay. Like they kind of built this like socialist bastion inside the United States, like this whole town where everybody works for each other. And they were like, if this scandal comes out, then the whole project, like, you know what I'm saying? Like we're going to be overrun and this town won't get to exist. So is and this so like a Jonestown ripoff? I'm not, no, and not, and not to, not to, like say anything remotely negative and i'm and i apologize for using the term ripoff but i mean like is this kind of like that sort of scenario you know like how jonestown happened it was because on such a fucking massive scale and like we're just weird animalistic creatures so we're very curious about death so you know it was blown up well no they weren't death. trying to kill anyone in this town he no, went no, no, rogue no, no, and no. killed all those people yeah, yeah. He, but that's what i mean is that like it like if I needed to look at something in real quote unquote real life so that way I could kind of base this on something, would it be like that? I mean, no, it'd more be like a, a mining town or I like, think a, like a commune almost that has a factory. Yeah, like I think uh Henry Ford had like a town in the Amazon where everybody was like a Ford employee. Yep. And then he was trying to make cars out there like in the twenties or something like that. But it was more that type of thing. Oh, but okay, okay. When 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 Patricia was in charge, it was ostensibly working. Like everybody worked for the factory, everybody yeah. bought in and paid into the community. And the only reason why it was sabotaged was because her husband was insane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and... so basically, they're like, if we can cover this up, like the, okay. those of us that survived, like we can keep gotcha. the town going because the town was fine. 
before this prick, like, you know, gotcha. okay. screwed yeah. us over. Yeah, before you killed So everybody. the whole point is that when you're 18 and you get to vote, they tell you everything. And either you sign in black and you stay in town or you sign in red. And you get the fuck out. Okay. Gotcha. Do you though? Well, yeah, that's the question is whether or not, yeah, do, do you get killed or because no one comes back. Because no one comes back. And, and, also, and, and the letter chance. at the end of the book, this is what was trippy. I was just looking at it now. The letter at the end of the book, it's definitely presented to be in Max voice. Yes. However, yes. the color of the envelope and the oh. color of the boxes are the color of the narrator's voice. Mm-hmm. Who the narrator is the same character model as uh, Patricia's husband, right? Yes, is she? He's the he's the brother of of uh, of the of the husband because that's what they said mm-hmm. when, when the video started. Because the the same the narrator was the same narrator throughout the whole book that was in the in the video. So she he was right, so but he, yeah. Oh, sorry, but yeah, I don't know what it means that the uh, the. Uh, the uh car- the, the uh boxes for Joe's letter are the same dialogue boxes as the narrator. So are we to believe that like or or that Mac is dead and this is just something written in Joe's voice by that narrator? Could be. Oh that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I mean so um this definitely gave me the vibes of actually two of my favorite directors so this is a high compliment um the coen brothers uh with the way the noir and the humor is in this um it's definitely a very coen brothers feel um and then i get a a david lynch type feel as carrie kind of mentioned before too um because like a lot of stuff that lynch does it's like it's dream logic and I get, I totally get dream logic vibes in this. Like, you know, like when the, when the Pender, the way the Pendermills logo symbols shows up in random places, you know, like that's like, you know, like your brain kind of just like, you know, giving well, you. Well, also, yeah, it's one of those things that they literally own everything. So every, yeah, you see it on every business, you see it on the like city hall where the mayor is at. But they run the whole town, so everything is Pendermill branded. And then you see it in the mm-hmm. eyes of some people in, in photographs. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, so yeah, it's um. So I, I kind of get you know, and then also the way the narrator kind of comes in and out of the story, and sometimes you feel like he's part of the story, but he's not part of the story. And the and he's always he's always talking about um weird versions of like you know well-known like nursery rhymes and like fairy tales yes yes and like fables so so yeah like i think um everything being kind of askew like that is totally like 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 this this was like a dream essentially but i don't think it was when did you realize that uh everyone was in on it um it wasn't till it wasn't really till the end it wasn't till um the newspaper um the guy the the old newspaper archivist the way he Mm -hmm. starts talking about it i was like okay like I'm getting that vibe now that everyone really knows, and including, um, so, uh, including the boyfriend, <gasps> uh, Alan knew. I think because because I get the vibe that that the reason why I don't know the reason why I think one of the reasons why um they were at Lover's or, Lane or or Mac yeah well Mac signs in red was because she um she decided. Um, she because because um, one thing that you see towards the end of the book is a flashback when Joe and Matt kiss, 
and I think that maybe Mac was like too kind of like had too many emotions about you know kind of like almost what's going to become like a, a try a love triangle. So that's one of the reasons why I think Mac decided to leave town. Oh, and I read that differently. I read oh, that like I felt like because the last time he's the last person to have seen her, and they go to yeah. Lovers Lane. So I felt like she wanted to go to Lovers Lane with him like one last time because she knew that's, she was she was leaving. That's the vibe I got. But I feel like she told either he's I don't know if he's over eighteen also or. No, so he's eighteen because he's no, he's the next signature in the book. After oh, her. okay, so she, but he's so in he, black. So, so they both decided. So, so to me, yeah, they think, decided at the same time. At the same time, okay, so that okay, that makes sense then. Okay, so so therefore he's he's in on it as well, mm-hmm. and that's now is he the person who who burned down Max's uh, office slash trailer? Um, I that assumption you can't really make, but he's definitely the person that chased her in the hood. Yes, yes, yes. definitely. So good, but yeah, they don't give you enough because you don't see anybody or anything because it could have been either the police or him that burnt her house down, as far as characters we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing that got me is that when the book started, uh, as for the chief or whatever, Espy, mm-hmm. I uh, I suspected because like she was so adamant that I was just like, all right, she's hiding something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the book does a good job of making her such a nice character yeah. that, mm-hmm. like, by issue two, I was just like. No, no, no. She's just looking out for Joe's well-being. Yeah, she's not she in on anything. To no conspiracy. Yeah, SP, right, right. SP even drops the info like, "Oh, well, you know, those other those other right. books are in in Pender Mills' office." Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you, no one should go in there and break so that's, in. <laughs> like, right, that's yeah. right. So that's why I'm starting to think, "Oh no, maybe she's on her side." There's no, yeah. like mm-hmm. she's not on whatever conspiracy this is or whatever weird. I even think there's a conspiracy at that point, but I just thought the town was weird. And at yeah. first, I thought she was part of it, and then I was like, "No, she's not." But she, what really was? Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, but like at that point, I wasn't like just like you know, until they went to the uh, archivist house. That I was kind of lost. Yeah, as, as far as there being conspiracy or what was really going on. I um am a literal person, so I like to take everybody like at their face value. So I was very entranced by the entire book. Um, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there was like I think I found out with like your lay reader of like, oh yeah, you know, like I find out with Joe. When Joe was finding shit out, like I was finding it out with her. <laughs> and so like I did not know a, like I I just thought everything was really fucked up and weird. Yeah, I didn't even have the suspicion. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like her friend's missing. And like, I got right away vibes that like Joe was in love with Mac. Mm -hmm. Like right away. I was just like, oh no. Like there's way too much. She cares. Exactly. Like there is, um, that is a deep, (laughs) deep care for someone. And it's either because you want to fuck them, you have fucked them and realize you love them. You know, whatever, but like I, I knew that there was a like some kind of like deep emotional connection on Joe's part, so I knew that. But like, no, I the the book fucking shipped me out. Um, and I I'm not very good for, like, like creepy symbolism works really well for me. I I very much buy into that. So like the little nuances of like the peppermint thing really bothered me a lot because I'm like ew that's Mm. gross like I just don't like the way this looks anymore like it's icky and um 
I don't know. I really enjoyed it, but I was really pissed that um everybody was in on it. I was just as mad as as Joe. I'm like, what the fuck, really? And like the fact that I that you guys just told me that Alan was in on it because I wasn't paying attention to the name, so I didn't see Alan's. I think that's part of it too. Like when you're reading, that like your first run through of reading, you the black the names in black like don't pop. It's the ones mm. in red, and I think that's part of it too is that like it again it's just like the symbolism of like well the people who are happy with the status quo they're they're happy being the little worker bees like they're they kind of fall in, like and fade into the background so like the it's the ones that stand out that get your attention so like I wasn't paying attention to the names in black you know um I was just paying attention to the names in red so I didn't even realize that Alan had written right under uh uh Max and then also too we learned that Max and Alan they didn't they didn't do anything fun at Lover's Lane they watched like the sky and they and they looked at the town mm. so I thought that spoke volumes too like once you realize about everything it's like oh okay well you know kind of sad you don't even get to like leave with like a bones like uh one thing like uh patricia patricia penderville her design with like the little hood that she wears like it's not scary but it's just it's just full of menace like every time she would appear i was just like well yeah you're evil obviously (laughs) i don't know she necessarily was when you get to the end of the book But, but there's just something about her that like it just it exemplifies menace. Like I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't trust you. You're you're obviously doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. The the helmet was 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 definitely yeah that gave you the vibe. I think that was intentional. And then because like she has a very kind face at the end of the book, she does. And so it's she like, does. Oh. She is so, a, a nice looking older woman who looks like she's going to be very helpful and very sad about what has happened. Yeah. Um. And so I think if you see, mm-hmm. and because she looks angry in the in the hood. Yes, she does. Um, or in the whatever it's called, the the helmet. And um, she um, and so I think that's intentional because because it hides the intentions of the character because like you're 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 supposed to believe that she's evil and that she's behind everything and, and until or in a in a menacing way she is behind everything but she's not in a menacing way you know yeah um but but yeah um. I yeah I I really the character designs I love I love the joke the MacGuffin joke is, is, is hilarious to me um I I had to Google the names that are mentioned in the movie that the narrator is watching at the beginning of issue three um to see what movie that was and that was the uh it's a Philip Marlowe movie um uh, with Elliot Gould called The Long Goodbye and so oh. I, I now want to watch that movie and see how it ties into the story because I'm sure that wasn't just a, you know a whim. Like I'm sure that 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 story has something to do with with this story, you know, in a way. So I'd like to find out. Yeah. Um, check it out. Um, so um, and as well as so once again, you know, I said like Devin Craft earlier. You know, three for three in my book. Like Tyler Boss is three for three in my book because, um, you know, what's the furthest place from here is currently coming out with Matthew Rosenberg writing it. Um, he's drawing it. That's a fantastic series. Uh, Four Kids Walking the Bank by also Rosenberg and um, and Voss was a fantastic, a fantastic story as well. And this is to me was great as well. So you know I'm mean, like, yeah, Boss 
is definitely a name. Once again, another person that if I see it, I'm going to pick up whatever they're they're writing or drawing. So, did you like it, Richard? I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was super trippy. Yeah, it was. Like we knew that Tyler Boss was a good artist, and like he's a good writer. <laughs> like this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, with this yeah. is that like it's so open ended at the end. Like it's just ah, you 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 choose your own yeah. ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so do you also, think Joe's staying in town? I don't think we've discussed that. Yeah, I yeah, you know that's a good question because she goes up there obviously to contemplate something, and that's on, and I'm I'm guessing that's the way out of town. So so whether she's leaving oh. or not, she really has nothing to live for anymore in the town Which... because you know all her possessions got burned. I mean, her mom and her her stepdad are still there, but still. Which which would also make sense why if that's the way let let's say that's the way out of town. Why Alan went with Mac up there probably to say goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that that was the last time that you saw her. Um, I hope that she left and goes to look for Mac. That would make me very happy. Yeah, that's the vibe I got. But also, I'm not I'm not convinced that they don't kill the people that decide to leave. Yeah, oh no, I mean, I didn't say I, I thought that was going to happen. I just say my hope that's what happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> I oh, don't yeah, know okay. if they no, get no, I'm just act. saying that, like, I'm still... Yeah. As far as the ending, I'm still not sure what happens to the people that decide uh-huh. to leave. So it's like, you give them all the information and, like, you're just under the assumption that they're going to keep your secret when they leave. Or do you tell them that they can leave and they're going to get this scholarship or whatever and you just secretly murder them? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and I think like, that's... Like, yeah. if her dad left, you, like, he's never going to come back and see his daughter, who's 18 now, when he's holding her in that picture when she's a baby. Like, that's sad. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, I just don't know. Just super ambiguous. Um, yeah, so that that is a good point. Which I think is kind of like the beauty of the book, is that it whatever the reader wants which i really appreciate you know it's up to Mm -hmm. it's up to interpretation Mm -hmm. so and again it's one of those things where like you know like oh fuck um david lynch's movie mulholland drive yeah it's it's up to the reader all open to interpretation i mean he still hasn't come out and said like except for like the criterion collection edition he only gave like some clues as to what some of the things meant but it's very much like that where he's tickled when the audience gets to kind kind of come up with their own interpretation of things and i feel like that was the point of this too is that you know what would we want what do we think and i i like that i mean it's it makes me feel horrible i feel very gross (laughs) But I also very much appreciate like being given that kind of um, autonomy. Yeah, the autonomy in it. And it's just like, like, I'm very hopeful. Like I get to, I hope that they get together in the end, you know, because I I feel like this would be a blast if it was an actual movie. Like you go see this 8 p.m. showing and then you and your friends are at a restaurant or a diner or something. Just 
losing your mind. Oh my god! You, you know, discussing what you think went down. And then you <laughs> go home and you thing. and you r- take a rip off a bong and then you just keep talking about yeah, it for hours. You're just laying in bed thinking about it. Yeah. I'm sure. Check, check oh reviews yeah. And check spoilers and everything to see what other people thought. Of yeah. What what the go on things. like the Reddit like yeah. rabbit hole and try to figure yeah. out shit. Yeah, 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 I love this, that. This was a very cinematic book. Um, which I, I thought was really good because usually like nine panel books like layouts don't really lend to sin- you know kind of a cinematic feel but this one definitely did and yeah um, it, definitely... usually when you have the nine point layout it feels more personal yeah mm-hmm. this could definitely be a movie and and I and I would like to see it adapted as a movie if if uh, Tyler Boss wants it <laughs> I it would be nice to see it as a movie. This also no, no, even like... if he doesn't, Brian, stay strong. <laughs> yeah. yes. um, Dark this, Horse, do what you want. This also felt like a very um, adult, I feel like a real comic book person now because I chose a book that wasn't like, yay, it's cute, <laughs> or yay, <Yeah. laughs> it's Disney. I'm like, ooh, I chose a real book. Well, yeah, <laughs> exciting. it was a great choice. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, Is I, I this a like... recent book, Brian? This was, um, I know I talked about I talked about it as a spotlight, so it's at least since 2020, uh, July 2020, when we first started the podcast. Okay, no, no, um, no, it's I, just because I don't recall hearing of it, and, like, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. It was really good. Like, I feel like more people should know about it, but I just don't recall, like, you know, certain books you hear about or certain books, you know, I, as I go oh, yeah. into a comic shop, I just kind of remember coming across that mm-hmm. cover, and, you know these issues have very evocative covers and, yeah. and walking into this, I was just like, I've never heard of this before, but I yeah. really, really liked it. This book didn't get like a lot of fanfare, which is strange. Cause like, it's a really good book and yeah. it really deserves it. Especially like this. If, if I, um, you know, I keep on harking on this, but if I have a friend who wants to get into comics and is a big movie person, this is probably going to be on top of that pile because like, mm. I, you know, this, this is definitely has that, you know that kind of cinema cinematic feel like i said it before hmm. i know i'm repeating myself but but that's you know well, yeah it definitely vibe. has like that small movie type of vibe like you know yeah. something that's going to be really critically acclaimed mm-hmm. but yeah Absolutely. it's super fun like it's a really good mystery and like i feel i feel like if it wasn't handled so elegantly we would feel cheated by having that open ended yeah. ending mm-hmm. but like since everything is just like place so well and like you've kind of grown to like really care about these characters like mm-hmm. you care about joe you've never met mac but you care about mac you yes. care about that connection so much that the fact that it's open-ended and you get to think about it so much is like it really works for the book but i just feel like if it if it's done a little bit sloppy or you just don't care about joe enough like you'd be furious that this book had this open ending. yeah you feel cheated for sure yep. so did you guys notice the very end um there's flash pages in between a lot of things that will show Matt's picture on milk. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're a kid of the eighties, especially in America, mm-hmm. it's like the missing kids on the milk carton and mm-hmm. all of them said missing. And the very last flash page, it says lost. Oh, I did yeah. not yeah. catch that. I did not catch that either. Yeah. I see that now. Oh, very cool. So uh, again, it's another little trippy kind of icky feeling thing, but it's very cool. It's a nice little detail. I really like that. So the ketchup. Oh, and also, uh, I was gonna say kudos to the to the peppermint logo because, yeah. like, it's it's he has to use it a lot, but it's kind of pretty, but it's kind of ominous. Yeah. But like, but it catches your eye every time. Like, I feel like 
he could have drawn a more traditional peppermint and it uh -huh. would just look silly it wouldn't work but like this does look like the peppermint of conspiracy yes, <laughs> like, yeah. it looks like the peppermint of evil organization yeah wonderfully put yeah mm -hmm. i absolutely agree it does now okay so i mean i don't want to be gross but i think the ketchup um the gravy scene oh. that ketchup was peppermint flavored ketchup Oh, is, I, I swear it's the peppermint ketchup on it. So my question is: Is the milk peppermint also because it's made by Pender Mills? I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking gross. But yeah, I I, I was also kind of wondering as well. But yeah, not not since the um, last time. I, I remember one time I went. I wanted mint tea, and I bought a box of peppermint tea, mm -hmm. and it was, and I brewed it, and then it was the sweetest thing I've ever had in life. Like it made my teeth hurt on one yeah. sip between mm -hmm. the heat and like the sugariness. So I can't imagine how rich like peppermint milk would be. Like, oh yeah. like I I feel like skeezy just thinking about yeah. it. Gross. And I wonder like because like you know like Battle Creek, Michigan, where they you know Kellogg Factory is, it smells like you know like Captain Crunch all the time or whatever like you know like it smells like cereal all the time. Oh, does um, it? I, so I wonder if like this town you know smells like peppermint. Well, that would be delightful though, yeah. the scent of peppermint. But, as, long, as long as you don't burn a batch, you know, like burn peppermint. I'm sure. It but what's smell. the saying like once you're the monkey in the sh in like in the uh, shit house, you don't smell it anymore. Yeah, like something crass like blind. that. But you become nose blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you wouldn't even notice it after a while. Hopefully, yeah. But yeah. So I thought, like, you were going to say that, like, the Kellogg's city smells like pent up sexual frustration. Oh yeah, because because Kellogg because he made cornflakes. Yes, that was a good reference. Blank. Well, I was thinking also like of the Oneida um, sex cult. Uh, uh, at, at yeah. another town, enclosed town that had the factory that made stuff. Because like you know, they like, made china. Yeah, they yeah. made fucking dishes. Have you heard about and that? And they boned a whole fucking no, lot. No. So, so the Oneida brand of um of like dish dishes and like and like um china are are was made by a sex cult. Okay. Uh, oh. First of all, let's not desecrate them and call them a sex cult. They were a religious movement <laughs> and they were in the late 1800s. They were upstate New York. They are all freaky deaky cool cats and they just all boned. They didn't bone kids. Numero uno rule. They were very good to their children, but it was a commune. They just wanted to worship God and fuck. And I mean, uh, that's great. I love it. Wonderful. And then, um, but they also didn't want to have keep having kids so i think they start i think they had like ways of birth control and then mm. they realized that if you don't procreate mm -hmm. like you don't get more religious members so they actually did die but like, not die out but like no one kept like the religion didn't keep growing. yeah the the united brand now is owned by like another like a huge corporation yeah like by corel or some but, shit. but originally it was mm. yeah like you're, you're buying your, your your teapot was made yeah that's by, how they made money by a cult <laughs> i love it so yeah interesting stuff but i don't think i don't think the pender mills town was a cult though i think it was just a a, a business you know like a, like a basically a commune with a factory essentially right right i, th I think uh, yeah i don't think it was a cult like like a religious aspect i think it yeah. was just that like everybody understood the mission and there was complete buy-in mm -hmm. yeah but like everyone that just 
a cult in a way in a way right because like i think i think especially in like american society because if we think of like jonestown and stuff like that or like heaven's gate so we're thinking of maybe um cults with like a really tragic end right but like if you get any large group of people together and they all 110 percent buy in i still feel like that's at some point there's no there's less and less autonomy so why how is that not cult-like Especially if you have like a fucking leader who's like in charge of everything, it doesn't have to be violent. But it's right, but um, gross. I guess the only way um, I feel I personally don't feel like it's cult like, like I feel like in a cult like you have to have a devotion to the godhead, a godhead, which mm-hmm. in this case would be Patricia. But like, I feel like Patricia and everyone, like they were worshiping her. Like if there was a worship, they were just all completely bought in on the cause. Yeah, they were worshiping the peppermint. Yeah, maybe yes. <laughs> I'll hail our peppermint overlords. No, but like, and I, I, I think I know you're being silly, but I think that's also like, um, a mis, like, not a misdiagnosis, but like a, like a misnomer of like cult behavior, because I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but I just, I feel like, this book doesn't make me feel good. It didn't give me happy, warm thoughts. I was like, "It was fucking gross," but like in a fun way. Like I want to read it again, but it made me right, it. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like we a, used to have an expert on this. <laughs> we did. We used to have a, a cult expert. Oh yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> like I was just thinking about that. I was just like, "Oh, I know someone we could have asked this question to and had a great answer." Mm-hmm. Have at the end of later. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts, or do you want me to bring everything to a close here? Wrap it up, B. People are hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I have to make dinner. (laughs) Well, in that case, um, thank you once again, everyone, for listening, especially if you're still listening to this point. Like and subscribe, please. Um, You've reached the end of the show. Uh, We are on Instagram, Twitter, Good Pods, all at CDB Pod. Uh, Book Clubbers Friday, we will announce the next episode subject, so you can follow along. If you want to join in the conversation, we may read your opinions out on the next episode. It's at comicsisarebetter at gmail.com is where you want to email. Uh, the website is uh, comicsisarebetter.wordpress.com, which might be a little out of date now, but you can uh, request subjects for a future show there. Uh, Richard, where can we find you on the internets? I am at TopCat360 all over the social media. Doing stuff. Taking names. Kicking butts. All right. Getting to your football season, right? Oh, God, yes. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it's been a while. It definitely does. Um, And Carrie, anything? Um, No, just be nice to each other. Be nice to each other. Oh, my gosh. Learn about the floods in Pakistan. There's um an online, uh sorry if I'm yelling. Uh, I got accused by a kindergartner today of yelling at people when I got really excited and it was really sad. Um, <laughs> so like, uh you have to go online. You have to look up the organization Save the Children. They are on the grounds in Pakistan. Um, thousands of people have been killed. I'm sorry, take that back. Thousands of people are homeless as of last count. About a thousand people have died um pakistan is having the worst floods it's ever seen it is horrible 
people are living in squalor and tents because their homes and their livelihoods are literally being like swept away and it's all due to climate change mm-hmm. so please go online and you're i'm i mean i kind of tend to avoid the news but like i do get a lot of feeds on the internet um so please try to stay aware of that because that's very very scary yeah i mean um and um just since we're kind of on the subject a new podcast just started called partition and basically it's about uh how pakistan came to be when uh the brits left and how they uh separated india and basically you know they separated it not like where people live. They were just like, you have this part. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Hindus in India basically were like, all right, all you Muslims, go move to the Muslim country that we just made. So people had got uprooted. Like, you know, real harrowing stuff. Yeah. But, you know, just mm-hmm. an interesting podcast on the, like, history of uh, of Pakistan and India. And, you know, this uh, Pakistani-Americans, like, journey. Because I think she was saying, because they don't teach it in American school. They and, don't. like, it was so traumatic within the, their her family that like she didn't find out about it at all until she was already wow. an adult. Wow. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. Wow. But um, yeah, you know, I think they're only in, uh, maybe a, a, an episode or two in. So, you know, if if you have Pakistan on the mind, it would probably be a good place to jump on. Uh, absolutely. Yes. That is That sounds amazing, actually, because like you just said, like that's not taught in like U.S. schools and it really should be. But I mean, and then yes, like, that in Bangladesh as well. Um, that's how that was created. Was during all of the partition. Um, we read um, what was the um, Dragon Hoops by Jean Luen Yang, uh, which was like a biography book um, written by him. Um, but when he was uh, when he was helping the uh, the basketball team and uh, at the high school that he taught Batha, and um, he. Um, there's a part where there's um, a, a one of the number of teams is Sikh, and um, and basically they're teaching about Gandhi in the class, and he like wants to walk out because like we're taught, you know, like you know that Gandhi was this, like perfect like person, but I guess when partition happened, you know, like they they you know they forced moves the Pakistanis out uh, or the 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 Muslims to Pakistan, they forced um, Buddhists to move out to Bangladesh, I believe. And um and but then the the Sikhs basically got nothing and they were basically just like you know like left homeless in India and so like so he didn't really like Gandhi because that was what Gandhi wanted to happen and so uh, and so that's what the first time I learned about that once again that's something I feel you know especially nowadays we should be learning in school <laughs> so I had to learn from a comic book to, to about that and. You know, and partition. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people probably learned about partition from the Miss Marvel um, show um, last. You know, that happened last month. You know, like that was like probably the first time they ever heard of partition. So, no, so, wow. I, I need to watch that show then. Yeah, there's it, it's it's really it's really cool. Like, but but yeah, and it's unfortunate though that that's that's the way you have to learn is through those means. But I definitely want to check out that uh, the podcast. And hopefully, you know, thoughts and, and love and good thoughts. That was my dog's ball, if you heard that over the uh, <laughs> over the microphone. Um, the um, no, in all, in all seriousness, though, like all positive thoughts and 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 hopes and and whatever we can do and like donations and whatever we can for those in Pakistan right now because it is that's scary. 
And if you ever need to feel better about something, try to find, and if you do like them as little entities, try to find a small child uh, in your family who may be, and just talk to them about their day at school. That's one of the best parts of my job is I got my hand held by like four different kids today. I got lots of hugs. It was a good day, even though I'd like, mm-hmm. I apparently yelled at people, but you know. <laughs> I had four kids cry. Yeah, it was wonderful. So if you ever needed a a pick me up, you know, little kids are great for that. Yes. All right. Well, I'm at Brian underscore CB on Instagram. And for Richard and Carrie, I am once again, Brian. And this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. And remember, as always, Comics Deserve Better and everyone deserves comics. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.